0: Mechanical Freak podcast, the city about neoliberalism and the town of the podcast that you're listening to right now. Town, I'm so, back in. Greg back. is back in the Seattle again.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's back.
2: <laughs>
0: back in the Seattle again.
1: Wow. Um, uh, yeah. I am. And uh, guys, let me tell you, it's bad to be back. How was sailing through the Panama Canal to get back? Oh, you know, uh, not as exciting as you would think. You should have (laughs) blocked your boat, dude. You should have, like,
2: made headlines by clogging the Panama Canal. (laughs) They would have just plowed
1: right through me. (laughs) (laughs) Greg has a
2: recession
0: report. 10% less cocaine in Panama than last time. Guys,
2: we're in a recession. (laughs) Yep. It's called a leading indicator for all my analytics heads out there. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: Well, first off, uh, obviously some elections happened last week, and we had some predictions that... uh, You know, we'll leave it as a teaser might or might not have been correct. But the point is, uh, a lot of the results aren't in yet, (laughs) mysteriously, including (laughs) the one we actually want to talk about, which is the Seattle election system changing. So on uh, we're going to get together later this week, but hopefully all that is in and talk about that. You could catch that on the Patreon episode this week. We're going to have hopefully a special guest in and uh, we'll discuss the elections. All right. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something a little more important than the election, something that I promise you will affect your life a lot more than these elections will, which is the fact that, uh, things are going bad, real bad. But before we get into the details of that, uh, Did you see the the Eli Lilly losses because of the fact that comedy is now legal on Twitter? (laughs) Did you guys guys check that? Yeah, the
2: the fucking rule. This has been just a banner week on Twitter, man. Like me and my friends created even like a shared notes app to like just track every just batshit crazy thing that's gone on internally in Twitter. And like, you know, outside of it as well. And the consequences of the changes. It's it's like no other man. It rules. Yeah. And
0: I mean,
1: greatest website uh, of all time.
0: Elon Musk had sent out, somebody had leaked like a, you know, some text from an internal memo about how they needed 50% subscriber rate in order
1: to be like <laughs> solvent. And For 50% of their it, profits from subscription is what his yeah. plan was. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I mean, just insane. And I don't know if you guys saw, somebody leaked a transcript from other meetings where he was like, Hey, yeah, I went on YouTube to experience what it's like to not be a subscriber on YouTube, and it's it's unbearable. So I mean, we just got to do that for Twitter. And then somebody interjected, like one of the engineers interjected, it was like, "Only like eight percent or
1: something like that of YouTube like, <laughs> viewers are
0: subscribed. Like nobody subscribes to YouTube, sir. Like you are like one of a small number of people who do this." Um yeah. It'll, they hilariously put out that more people are on YouTube than Twitter and less people subscribe to YouTube than he thinks. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know, nominally, not even in percentage-wise, yeah. like j- just in nominal numbers. It's pretty like you're not gonna get many paid subscribers to a free service. You're just not, right? Like Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah especially for what is like poorly functioning as Twitter. But so more news to hit. This was the the latest thing that I saw, uh, which I think Moody, you're the one who put this in the chat, but yeah. so the Washington Post knew. That fake verified Eli Lilly account sparked a panic inside the pharma giant, and senior execs decided they'd had enough, freezing all Twitter ad campaigns. had a huge blow to Elon Musk. For eight dollars, they lost out on millions of dollars in ad revenue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> For uh, I mean, those who didn't uh, see, like the Eli Lilly, uh, you know, Twitter basically changed their. Um, their policy where if you pay for Twitter blue, their $8 a month subscription service, um, you automatically get a verified blue check on the account. Uh, essentially devaluing the whole purpose of what a verified check mark's and supposed to do. You get an
1: unverified blue check. No one's verifying it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> right. Um. And so it's the same exact, like to, to the eye, it's the same exact check. It's not a different color or anything. Like it, it looks like blue. So that obviously popped up a lot of, um you know parody accounts and stuff and so people were pretending to be a lot of different corporations they like made nintendo uh accounts where mario was giving the middle finger and stuff and Mm -hmm. like people were like mario would never do that
0: israel which i thought was funny declaring
2: jihad on israel like yeah yeah, right like like palestine will be free yeah (laughs) based mario um (laughs) lockheed martin like uh sending out a very corporate uh looking uh tweet basically being like, we're halting all weapon sales to Israel, the U.S., and Saudi Arabia because of human rights abuses. Hashtag, we are LH. (laughs)
0: That one, by the way, also tanked uh, Lockheed's stock. It did, yeah. Yeah, which was hilarious. (laughs) But yeah, so the the Eli Lilly one was, they they tweeted out from the account, uh, (laughs) insulin will now be free. Uh, (laughs) Which the levels of humor of this, that the very idea <laughs> yeah. that insulin, a thing needed for people to survive, might be given to them without markup, uh, tanked the stock of Eli Lilly <laughs> and pissed off the executives so much that they pulled all their ad campaigns from Twi- Twitter. And they had
2: which- to, yeah, and they had to make a PR statement like basically in a crafted way where they couldn't say like the words like, ah, oh, sorry, eat shit. Insulin is not actually free. Right. They were like, yeah, yeah. um, we have seen, we apologize to everyone who has seen impersonation accounts on us. Uh, and, uh, this is the real Eli Lilly account, but then the same like fake account just copy and pasted that statement and put it on their own and referred to their own account as a real account, which caused <laughs> even more confusion. That rock
1: is so funny. He, The stock market's not real life.
2: Yep.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing. So this is, I I think, an interesting uh, thing that could happen here. We're clearly going into a recession. We're going to get into that later. Um, That's going to get deeper and deeper. A lot of companies, because of the recession, are going to start doing bad. And the executives on the boards of those companies have a couple of choices. They could say, we fucked up. Sorry, my bad you know, and uh, get fired or whatever, right? (laughs) Uh, They could uh, try and come up with some sort of plan to not be, you know, uh, tanking. Or, this is a third option, guys. Blame it on the fake accounts on Twitter and be like, oh yeah, the reason why our Eli Lilly account's going down or Lockheed or whatever is going down, Nintendo, the reason why it's going down, Is uh, because of these fake Twitter accounts uh, over that Elon Musk has created. Now that'll mostly be bullshit, but it does, you know, absolve everybody at the company from Mm -hmm. any sort of malfeasance or wrongdoing. But the the flip side of that is, if you make that accusation to your shareholders, you have to prove to them that you believe it, which you can only do by taking Twitter into litigation. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) which uh, which is a long way of saying. I think Elon might be in some hilarious litigation coming up pretty
2: soon.
1: Like, too bad he
0: fired
2: all of his fucking legal clips. staff, <laughs> <laughs> or they quit. Yeah,
0: I, I mean that's that's the other part about it is it's ripe for litigation too. Because what what is Twitter going to do? I mean, it would be a hard fight for them even if they had legal staff, legal counsel, right?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's all out in the open. Like the, there's yeah. like obvious uh, buffoonery and negligence at every turn. Like. I mean, that is the context, though, that all this is happening in is the essential fragility of the global economy, the inflated asset values at, you know, at the end of the free money era. As the free money era is being deliberately ended as, you know, the feds bringing up interest rates. Like everyone's, I mean, we're going to get into this, but everyone's on the edge. Right. So like, um, in some ways, maybe, uh, you know, these, uh, big hits, you know, related to something as stupid as these, uh, fake tweets, like is really, yeah, it's really like the inevitable correction, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just what's the, the last straw, the tipping point, or the or as you're sort of pitching it, uh, the opportunity, Brian.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Every uh, disaster is an opportunity if you're willing to seize it, right? Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you're willing to seize it in litigation, <laughs> right? Uh, well, yeah. Speaking of this sort of uh, ongoing or sort of disaster in the economy, uh, tech layoffs. So. I found this tweet from a couple of days ago that kind of laid this out nicely, which was uh, it was just laying out uh, laying out the layoffs of the tech sector. Twitter, 50 percent of staff has been laid off, uh, of course, famously. Right. But Intel, 20 percent. Snapchat, surprise, it's still around, to be honest, 20 (laughs) percent. Facebook, 13 percent. Redfin, 13 percent. Uh, the funny part about the Redfin layoffs is apparently the majority of it is in their house flipping division, which is very funny. To yeah, me.
2: they like wound down their house flipping division because it turns out when like there's like not a red hot market where you can just trade houses like a liquid asset. Um, you're just sitting on a lot of like, you know, tied up capital that you can't really sell for a profit. So,
0: yeah. And Munya, me and you discovered this, I think, when we were doing the private equity episode I'm just too old for this. It was the wrong time when I was in high school for us to have this kind of vision. <laughs> yeah, but that but you were of the right generation where house flipping was the scam that you thought of as high school student so to avoid capitalism, right? Like yeah, to Avoid yeah. being a worker. It, right? it was it was, like, it, it
2: was it was the dumb guy way out, right? It was yeah. like the damn like I'm gonna become a house flipper. Like that was like an aspiration to escape wage labor, basically. I think ours was always like,
0: I'm going to own a record store or a tattoo shop, two rock solid businesses that never go under. That rules. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) It's so funny because I was watching uh, one of the great shows ever made, which is Married at First Sight. And in one of the latest seasons, there was a giant conflict between two of the cast members who both were broke. And one of the cast members' aspirations was to become a house flipper to achieve economic independence.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it was like a really popular thing. Like people, a lot of people, I didn't mean to like call them dumb, but like, you know, a lot of people were, you know, were were really uh, into it. Like that was like a in vogue thing to want to be. Nobody likes wage labor. It sucks
0: ass. And everybody's always trying to find a way out of it. But because we don't have left politics in America... The way out is always, how do I become a mini capitalist? Because everybody kind of understands like the, the, the big game is closed, right? So it's like, how do I become a mini capitalist on the side? Which is the root of all those uh, passive income videos on TikTok and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Like why people watch that stuff. But yeah, uh, house flipping really captured the American imagination for about 20 years. Uh, you know, interesting to see that division close. I wonder if what, what dream will people be able to have now, you know? Uh, We'll see. Um, But yeah, interestingly, when this had posted, it was, you know, Amazon has a hiring freeze. That situation has changed. Amazon's now laying off 10,000 people. Jesus. Uh, (sighs) Of course, the crypto. That's that's big news, man. Yeah, the Amazon one is nuts. Uh, Coinbase. For
1: uh, this town, my God.
0: Yeah, well, Amazon, too. I think Bloomberg had the article that Amazon's the first company to lose a trillion dollars in stock value over the course of a year. Yeah, uh, so that's impressive.
2: I mean, um, truly, like ever, really, because like yeah, yeah. we've never had trillion-dollar companies up till now. Yeah. So, I mean, nonetheless, Tr- like multi-trillion-dollar companies because their market cap still like nine hundred billion dollars now, but they were yeah. like at two trillion before. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and you know, maybe we can theorize about that a little later. But uh, Coinbase, eighteen percent getting laid off, right? You know, Lyft, thirteen percent. The one that was interesting though is. Credit Suisse and Goldman Sachs are both having big layoffs too. So Goldman Sachs is laying off three percent of its employees, and Credit Suisse is laying off five percent, which seems to be
1: related. Are those the crypto traders? I <laughs> like mean, on, at division. Goldman,
0: fucking could be. You know, yeah. uh, another theory is that it's a downstream effect from the uh, mortgage industry, which is also laying off a lot of people. And while Goldman, mm-hmm. of course, you don't get a mortgage through Goldman. Goldman does buy packaged mortgages and things like that to sell on secondary yeah. and tertiary markets. Um you know, so that's interesting. As well as used car prices down 10%, that's a relief for some of us. And credit card debt nearing 1 trillion. So these are all indicators uh that something bad is happening in the economy. <laughs> credit card debt increasing uh, while used car prices drop uh, means that and the used car price is what is interesting because uh, new car sales have been down for a while and used car sales were where all the growth was and now you now people can't even afford that
2: you know maybe that, maybe people m- you know maybe like <laughs> high schoolers in 2020 like fantasized about being used car salesmen like instead of a uh, house flippers because <laughs> that's where the money was hmm. Yeah, they're like, oh, I, no, they're gonna become and even used that's going car life.
0: flippers. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Buy them on Craigslist and resell them. You know, on Carvana. Put, <laughs> <yeah>, put, <swag, laughs> put sweat equity into them. And, yeah. Uh, sell them. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, the the used car thing. Like I said, I mean, new car sales have been down for a while because people just can't afford it anymore because wages have collapsed in the United States. Uh used cars were going strong because you still have to get a car you have a car to traverse the United States and any sort of metro area in the United States. Uh but now people can't afford that either. Or maybe the urbanists has won. Maybe they're more convincing in their arguments than we're guessing. You know? There we go. Maybe they've won the hard Jacksonville
2: and lines. is gonna become walkable now.
0: What do used bike sales look like? <laughs> 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 but um Yeah, and the credit card debt increasing. I mean, you know, Uh, I could tell you from our experience uh, in the late September, first day of the quarter, because my college has dropped all COVID restrictions and everything. I, of course, got COVID day one of school. And, uh, of course, then immediately gave it to my wife who works in childcare. who then, because of a hilarious thing called the COVID rebound, which you can look up, missed a month of work. So we ended up having to use a credit card to pay for rent for one month. So, hell you know, yeah. the idea of like why credit card debt is increasing, I, you know, it's stuff like that. I mean, um, people are razor thin right now and they're having to cover bills uh, that they're missing. And of course, you know, the fact that we're in the middle of this or I, hopefully now at the tail end of this massive COVID wave would have only increased the amount of bills that people had to pay, uh, you know a tight spot people are in a tight spot this is what the fed was trying to do right
1: yeah uh i mean that's the re- so the way we've talked about uh the fed's policy you know over the last year is that they're trying to and en- very openly trying to engineer a recession so you know interestingly you 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 know, posited this is something bad happening, Brian, <laughs> when, you know, depends on yeah. your perspective. I mean, it is the policy of the U S government to make this happen. So how bad, yeah, we spent be? like three hours talking um, about how it's
0: good. And now we're here talking about how it's bad. I don't yeah, know.
1: Damn. Yeah. It depends on who's reaping and who's sowing, I guess, <laughs> you know, um, the, uh, you know, the most charitable, like rationale for engineering a recession, you know, or the most like sympathetic sounding, uh in the you know from uh monetarist liberals i guess is like you know inflation affects everybody but you know with a recession you can maybe limit the pain to like a small number of people you know a quarter a fifth of the population who get laid off or whatever see their jobs go away um you know the critique you hear from the left of that is like well that's ultimately gonna mostly affect people at the bottom so you're really you're transferring that pain to the the bottom strata the way we talk about it is like that this the inflation fear is really kind of a you know a displacement of the the real concern which is uh labor power uh and that this you know when they talk about needing to fight inflation they're jumping through the hoop of blaming inflation on labor power essentially and thus uh conveniently needing a recession, to discipline labor, to drive down wages, to drive up unemployment for an extended period of time. So I guess, and then I guess what we've talked about in the past is, you know, as asking the question, like, do they have the leeway to do this? Do they have the uh, do they have the power to do a controlled recession that does the kind of soft landing that we basically assumed they were sort of lying about anyway, but on some level, did they have the control over uh, this to make that happen the 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 limiting factor being possibly the essential uh the essentially fraudulent nature of the American economy at this point <laughs> yeah. the the teetering mass of bullshit at the top. That, you know, if you try to cause this recession, can you actually control it so that you take it out, on you take it out on labor discipline at the bottom end, uh, but don't teeter over the entire economy? And my question then, Munia, like. Is all of this evidence that that's working or failing? Because, like, I see, like, I don't see yet, yet the evidence that like late, you know, everyone wants to work now. Um, I don't see this sort of, uh, the, the, sort of pitch that's been made at the small business shithead class of America that like, Oh, all this inflation is because of like your service workers, like not wanting to do their jobs anymore. That that's the discipline we've been in anticipating. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, but I, I mean, unemployment, the latest unemployment numbers, unemployment overall was still going down. Now, maybe that's about to change, but I feel like what we're seeing here is the first seemingly, unless I'm wrong, the first like major like sector and therefore strata to get hit is tech workers. And and then also crypto. Uh, and so my question is like, is this... It working is this the is this what they want is this is the labor discipline was it always also about finally after decades disciplining the tech worker um, driving down uh, wages in that sector as you know maybe we're at that point in the psych- cycle of that innovation like we've talked about tech innovation sort of basically coming to an end uh, possibly and maybe like it's time to drive down those wages it's time to make those people work a little harder it's time to take away their free lunches like uh Elon's doing at Twitter um or is this a fail are have they fucked it up and is are they um like uh has it overreached has it failed and and does that mean that this is the first part and that you know what's coming still is ultimately going to be Uh, labor discipline from the tech worker strata on down or is this failing and that's why they're signaling oh uh we're not gonna continue to raise interest rates anymore we're gonna let it hover here for a bit and then you know then we'll see because it's affecting the top and not the bottom like what what do we think here yeah i mean
2: it's it's a good question greg i think there's you know the multiple angles you can view this at. Like first and foremost, I do not think that the Fed intended to have this concentrated within just one industry. I think they're just looking at this as a whole. So on, like you know, a grand scale where you're still seeing that inflation is still high, um, unemployment is still going down, like in the aggregate in the U.S. Um, I would say that that is mm-hmm. like not their um, intention. Now we argue that inflation is beside the point; they don't really care about that. That much right but it's still it brings a point home that like their stated intentions uh and outcomes are not really you know panning out even though they keep on hiking interest rates now, it's interesting in the tech sector because the tech sector is known as the safe sector. It's the one that pays a lot of money as far as like wage labor goes. Um, mm-hmm. It's the one that, you know, you can have all of these great benefits. You usually like benefit from their um, you know stock price. And like you're just, you know, it's almost like a meme, right? Unlike tech workers getting like pampered at their job, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it is pretty interesting that that is the sector that actually got hit. Um I think that this was a long time coming this year because um, tech stocks, unlike other industries, um, didn't really feel the hit of COVID. In fact, they felt the opposite, where um, tech stocks completely blew up and started exploding. And so, um, you know, in 2022, this is the first time we're really seeing any true economic consequence to this industry, where, you know, when COVID was starting for about two weeks, everyone thought that all the industries were going to go down. A lot of them did, but um, it seems like this is almost like a two year delay on the effects of COVID like within the industry in general. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing now a lot of pressure. I mean, Facebook stock is down over like meta stock is down over like, you know, like 75% um, from its all time high. Right. And the, this all time high was like just a few years ago, um, like a couple of years ago. So um I think when your stock price does drop, uh, you're under pressure to cut costs and boost that stock price up, and you know layoffs are like the easiest way to go about that, right? Um, tech really was benefiting from quantitative easing as well, so low interest rates mm-hmm. uh, in the tech sector were really, really beneficial. It allowed them to hire like crazy, allowed a lot of companies to grow really fast. So I think that um, with interest rates now going up really like, and now growth, especially revenue growth, starting to stall or go down in the tech industry is the first time that we're kind of seeing a decline. Um And I think we're more like industry specific, just seeing a reaction to that, which is aided by the Fed, because I think that if the interest rates stayed low, uh this party could have continued for a while. Uh, But I think interest rates being high does change the macro environment a lot um, to the point where now we're seeing consumer spending either starting to slow or like, you know, revenue just not having a lot of growth like we used to. Uh, Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna, uh, you know, affect layoffs for sure in the tech industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about in the episode, we talked about the Fed, you know, our reservation was, The economy is more built on sand now than it was in 1979 when the Volcker shock was instituted. Right. And the tech industry, you know, this this boom period, you're talking about Munya for tech, where it became the I mean, what was the refrain from the Democrats to like laid off, you know, any industry, auto workers, coal workers, whatever was always learn to Hmm. code. Right. Yep. And I did yep. see some MAGA chad who I hate to say it posted a kind of funny meme to tech workers, saying heartbreaking, that, yeah, like learn to it was like learn to work in the oil fields or something. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I mean, it shows the emptiness of these things. But the but the but part of it yeah. is that uh, you know the the boom in tech that created this idea that it was invincible was over the last thirty years, which was not coincidentally the era of free money. And the free money train has come to an end and at least temporarily, temporarily. Yeah. yeah. And we're finding that a lot. Yeah. A lot of industries really need it to survive. And uh, of course, because we hit them at like the height of their decadence or whatever, in the case of like Facebook and it's idiot, you know, metaverse project um, or Elon's, you know, meme purchase of a fucking tech company. (laughs) Yeah. you know, it's really hitting some of these places pretty hard. And yeah, I'd be curious like what the Fed was expecting to fucking happen because I mean, if we figured it out, I I don't see like how this could have, you know, been impossible to see. But the thing is, we also have to remember you know, the Fed, it's working with numbers and spreadsheets, but it's also working with ideology. And um, you know, maybe that just blinded them to this being a possibility. You know, I don't know yeah
1: or or we are blinded by our um correct ideology our pro- our priors about the what the motivations of the fed must be and what their willingness is we by you know our the we look at them as serving uh capital and the rich and like that and we think of these tech billionaire overlords as the biggest shitheads living and we assume that everything that's going to be done to benefit the, uh, the to benefit capital is going to necessarily immediately affect the poorest people first. And, you know, uh, maybe that's a blind spot on our part, because maybe it's is it possible that, yeah, the people at the Fed were like, well, this, you know, we have to contract this thing we have to wind down some of this bullshit we have to discipline labor yes but like the but maybe it does have to come out of the most stupid fraudulent and decadent sectors and if that's what's going to happen if that's the the lever we have and that is going to give like the haircut to the the tallest assholes in the room like maybe that's maybe they knew what they maybe they were okay with that ultimately like that Mm -hmm. uh that's what's yeah. gonna happen you know like there's no other choice you know what i mean like these people and what's the like ultimately like uh you know may, the the creative destruction happening here could could really could be that like in, in the next wave of tech expansion if it happens if these companies like continue to go on if, if they do if interest rates do come down maybe you don't have to pay these fucking people as much anymore and doesn't that benefit mm-hmm. uh Bezos and whoever else in the long run, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, ending this era of these tech workers, you know, an expand, just an expanding, uh, and fundamentally necessary sector of labor. That's just that, you know, even if the innovation does stop in a way, like you got to assume like that, we, we, we still haven't taken everything in the world digital and, and the, the, the enormous profits, you know, may not be there, but like, you're still going to need these people to run the entire world. Uh, and and that's only going to expand still to come, right? Like if, if, if they're no longer the pampered class of little, uh, uh, little, little uh, baronets, you know, everyone who wears a lanyard into a tech campus, like if they're, if they're, you know, if you get to pay them a little better than you pay someone at a call center, you know, and they, and, you know, with, with the, and they can be glad for the, the the relative job security and maybe some benefits, then, hey, doesn't that benefit capital in the end?
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the big industry complaints in the tech industry a lot of the time and what you saw with the Fed meetings, like either the Fed, like Jerome Powell meeting with uh, industry leaders is that like wages, you know, in tech are just like very high. Right. And that's been a gripe privately that executives have had right like top executives have had at tech companies um and that's why a lot of the initiatives like trying to you know it, that that are kind of uh you know i think dutifully marketed as uh something that's like an egalitarian positive like Let's teach all like, you know, people to code when they're in kindergarten. Right. Like this is right. a new language as as much as that sounds like nice. Right. And like right now, that's kind of like the escape from, you know, you know, being like a downtrodden labor. Right. That's like the one industry where you can, you know, I think make more than your parents. Like if you get into it um, at this time. If everyone knows how to code just like everyone knows their ABCs, like, I mean, uh, the the reason why people get paid so much is because not many people know how to code, frankly, right? So, like, you know, these are all, like, long before even, like, COVID and the job shortage and everything and, like, labor having a little power, um, you know, I think that this has always been um a gripe right because it it, like it would be nice if you can if you're if you're if you're like you know the largest shareholder of you know google you would not want to pay them you know uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year if you can get the same result by paying them less that's just simple math right um so one of the things that Jerome Powell was Um, saying to industry leaders because he actually was speaking to them um, when he was like trying to institute hiring freezes was that like, you know, we need to, you know, clamp down on, you know, on these wages, right? He didn't say like tech specifically, but he was talking to, he wasn't talking to people like who own, um, you know, factories and stuff and like, you know, or who own like, you know, like shirtwaist factories and stuff. Like it's, he's talking to, people who are CEOs of like financial firms and uh, tech firms. And like, those are like jobs that are more, you know, uh, white collar that pay over a hundred K a year, right? Um, At least. And uh, you know, they were targeting, trying to like actually institute hiring freezes because as much as like, it was hard to, you know, the job market was favoring labor in a lot of respects because the tech market was already tight. it seemed to a comical degree in their view that like uh, this pendulum was really on like one side that it wasn't even supposed to be within Mm -hmm. this economy by design that wasn't supposed to happen. So I think that was like pretty freaky for a lot of people to see uh, happen. Like, you know, after COVID was that anyone in tech could really leave and like get a job that paid a lot more and they could like, people were jumping around like three month intervals, like getting new jobs. Right. So (laughs) yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the tech has always had these various schemes to try and keep wages down. It's what their constant desire to expand H-1B visas was about, um, which, by the way, all these people getting laid off. If you're on H-1B visa, you have 60 days now to get a job or you're deported. Right. You know, which shows the problem with some of these immigration policies. Right. Uh, All the way to Peter Thiel's crazy plan to like, float an oil rig off the coast of San Francisco in international waters and fly a bunch of like coders from India to work there at sub minimum <laughs> wage. Right. As like a way to break, you know, uh, tech labor uh, to, I mean, uh, Oh, uh, what's his face. Uh, Steve jobs at Apple, you know, you got busted for what I'm sure all these companies have, which is the non-compete agreements to try and keep wages down by refusing to hire from other tech companies. right? You know, um so this has been obviously a big concern in tech for a while i mean i I think the main thing that we talked about the, at the uh when we talked about the fed uh you know engaging in this policy though what makes these policies risky is economies are really complicated uh once you start messing around with something as like a blunt force instrument like interest rates, things can go in unpredictable ways, right? And on top of being complicated, they're also all run by people and people do weird things. And, uh, you know, what you see is this downturn in tech. I mean, it's because of free money, but there's also a lot of financial institutions tied up in tech, right? That could also see uh, some some downwind problems. And you could say, well, the federal government will come in and bail out any of these financial institutions, or maybe they'll bail out Elon before he crashes the whole economy or whatever. But I mean you could have said that about Lehman Brothers in 2008 and like, well, they wouldn't just let that fucking collapse, right? You know, because that would lead to all these downstream problems. But ideology works in weird ways and, you know, you know, it can lead to these things. Um so speaking of these crashes, speaking of amazing tech bubbles Munya, I have a question for you. Yeah. SBF of FTX has taken our money is he taking it to brz is in brazil or arg is argentina uh where has this uh, bond villain run off with all of our money <laughs> uh where is he at right now where in the world is SBF?
2: yeah so sam bankman um he is the ceo of ftx i think he founded ftx as well uh he uh currently resides in the bahamas and uh, as much as i want to uh it's all legit businessmen do yeah, oh yeah, just just normal <laughs> normal businessman thing to like move from Hong Kong to the Bahamas. Like that that's that's, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a resume Green that makes me think this guy is on the level. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I really wish that that tweet was true of um him, like, fleeing in his private jet <laughs> to the Argentina. One, because Argentina has an extradition clause uh, with the states, like an extradition agreement. So it wouldn't make sense. But people do say, like, there's this, uh, a huge, robust black market to actually convert your crypto into Uh, dollars really easily and um, Mm. you know but yeah FT for those who don't know um, FTX one of the largest crypto trading firms um, one that was looked at as like the the pillar responsible one in the industry right like this is like (laughs) um sbf (laughs) has been like uh, a heavy hitter in washington dc he's uh you know seen in pictures with tony blair with Bill clinton with like a lot of like sitting u.s senators with joe biden himself um he is like one of the number one like a lobbyist not just for the crypto industry but he was second to michael bloomberg for his uh donation amounts to joe biden's campaign as well so like he was really well known um in washington Incredible. and uh you know and in the midterms yeah too, big, big money, money in the right? midterms and including uh, some local elections in uh, seattle as well which we'll uh, probably get yeah, to yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll talk about on wednesday um so ftx is a huge crypto trading platform um i I believe they're number three in trading volume overall, like second to another one, and then Binance as well, which we get to. Um, and long story short, uh, one day uh, there was just a speculative tweet from um, his competitor, CZ, uh, who basically uh, had this kind of like ominous tweet basically saying like we are selling all of our FTT tokens, and FTT tokens are FTX's uh own tokens that they issue uh binance was the first investor in ftx and then ftx got so big that they became competitors so these tokens were basically like exit equity in like you know ftx and they held it just as good faith right to show that you know we have we have a shared interest in your firm right um so they held two billion dollars worth of these tokens and um He was planning on dumping them all on the market completely, right? Which is,
0: you (laughs) know, alarming. (laughs) When you'll take anything for it, always a good sign. Yeah,
2: well, because especially because these tokens, um, daily trade volume was only like $50 million, right? Like the the market can't handle someone dumping $2 billion onto it. Like that's going to completely crash the price of it, right? Um, And. Um, so FTX, uh, the Almalda CEO actually, uh, reached out to, um, publicly, this is all happening on Twitter, which is baffling to me, right? These are like, you know, industry leaders who are like negotiating a deal on Twitter where she basically like replied and was like, oh, we'll buy it to you for, uh, we'll buy all of your tokens for $22.00 you know, dollars a piece. Right. Like, it's we'll, just so like you don't dump it on the open market. Um, CZ respectfully declined and he was like, eh, we'll leave it to the market and just dump them still. <laughs> 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 oh, so yeah. that like raised a lot of <laughs> alarm bells because, you know, um, a lot of people, you know, do see FTX as like this, like very, like, the one that's not, like, full of hot air, the one that actually tries to go by the hmm. book, the one that, um, you know, is with the U.S. government and pushing for regulation, right? Like, the one that, you know, tries to, like, look at crypto as an actual industry and not, like, just a speculative, um, you know, get money quick thing, right? Um, well, and which Sam Bainfield Freed, right, like, very mm, much markets himself as the responsible crypto guy. Yes, right? yes. Like, the, know, m- yeah. like, Mr. Respectable is, like, his yeah. whole, like, deal. That's his whole mm-hmm. thing. Um and so a day later uh, <laughs> um Coinbase issues a press release saying that they're um bailing FTX out uh and like rescuing them from like bankruptcy in a non like you know um in, in just an agreement which is like which was shocking right so it basically went from Sam basically disputing a claim uh from CZ saying that his claim is bullshit and that they're fine Till suddenly like FTX, like about like 18 hours later, um, gets like rescued by Binance. Um, And so, you know, Binance took one look at their books and they were like, you know what? Never mind. Uh, we're not we're not (laughs) rescuing these guys anymore (laughs) like it smells crazy in there
0: (laughs) yeah that's the interesting part i thought which is it wasn't that binance was like uh they weren't doing an elon where they were on twitter saying yeah we're gonna buy it and then like a day later we're like "Uh, actually 420 (laughs) ha 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 yeah right right you know like they 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 were they went through the process they did due diligence and then after doing due diligence we're like (laughs) oh, fuck no, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. no, not in a million fucking years though. <laughs> which is also a great sign for FTX. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's,
2: it's a really great sign when, like, a competitor who has a history of buying out, like, failing crypto projects, right, like, mm-hmm. um, look at FTX. In,
0: in buying out FTX. Yeah, it's like, like it's, I mean, it yeah. will
2: be, yeah. that, that will be, like, a mega merger of, like, you know, 2022 <laughs> if that happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these are both, like, You know, FTX is funded. I think like they raise like equity. Um, and so, you know, big venture capital firms like Sequoia, like storied ones in Silicon Valley, like the ones that were like the first investors in like Apple and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. um, have been like investing like crazy into FTX. And it was known like for you to have FTX in your portfolio, it was like something of like a crown jewel. It like almost gave your firm legitimacy if you weren't already legit right like you know like that was like oh holy shit we should take these guys seriously because they were able to get in on the FTX deal um, FTX was valued at around 32 billion dollars I think at the last time that they raised funds um, you know billions of dollars of like capital that they raised to to you know get this project up and running and um, And, you know, they were a successful crypto trading platform. So, yeah, I mean, Binance would definitely love all of their infrastructure, all of their customers, right? Like, that's like, you know, it's like two banks merging um, or like two trading platforms merging. It would be great. So
0: Yeah, and I think on top of it, too, like, you know, if your entire business is selling invisible clothes to like the emperor, it's not good if the emperor says the invisible clothes shop next to you is (laughs) bullshit and making stuff up, right? Like, 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 you know, like, maybe you want your competitor to go away, but you don't want him to necessarily go away by exposing the fraudulent nature of what you do.
2: (laughs) And that's exactly what CZ said in so many words on Twitter was like, um, you know, there were like leaked uh, screenshots of like an all company, uh, you know, email by him to like his Binance employees. And he was like, you guys, please do not dance uh, about this news. Like you know, they are our industry peers, read competitors. Um, mm-hmm. But like, this is not good for us yeah. either, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> it, it makes it makes everyone look very bad uh, if you know FTX folds in this way, which they ultimately did. And the next day, I mean, like in just sweeping succession, like uh, FTX filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, um, and. FTT coins like essentially like went from about like $22 to around I mean they have to be close to zero now they they were hovering at like $4 at the last time so it wiped out like 80% of their mm-hmm. value and now I mean the Bloomberg Bloomberg estimates that like FTX's value is zero right um and <laughs> it came to find out that um now doing bankruptcy proceedings um the uh, Financial Times uh saw that Um, FTX held less than $1 billion in liquid assets against $9 billion in liabilities. Now, um, (laughs) yeah, I hate it when that happens, right? Uh, (laughs) So basically like this, CZ's tweet like prompted a bank run. So basically people were trying to withdraw all of their money from FTX because they saw that a competitor was openly questioning like their, their balance sheet, right? And like their financials. So, you know, $5 billion of capital was um, attempted to be withdrawn from FTX. And that's when FTX didn't have the money to pay. So um, they're like, okay, well, now all withdrawals are paused. Uh, these five billion dollars that you know like flew out, like now we don't actually have the money to, you know, <laughs> give the money that we said that we have to them, right? And it turns out their eight billion dollar shortfall because they have one billion in um, assets but nine billion in liabilities. Um, you know, their eight billion dollar shortfall came from a back door, where um, SBF. Transferred eight billion dollars into their hedge fund Almada, which is also a part of FTX, um, so that they can use uh, you know customer deposits to basically gamble on other uh, you know gamble I, they would say trade, but I, I will <laughs> use the word gamble on um, on other uh, you know crypto trades, and usually trading it against what their customers are trading on too, right? Um, so it became this uh, scheme because Mm -hmm. Almada actually needed to post capital because they were in um, debt with other uh, crypto projects that went bust and they needed to, you know, they had in bankruptcy proceeding shows they have over a hundred thousand creditors. Right. So, I mean, like there's a lot of like, you know, creditors they needed to answer to. So it's kind of like um, FTX secretly loaned uh, this hedge fund money uh, to, you know, to, to, you know, post their collateral. But now, uh, You know, the actual trading platform itself doesn't have the money when uh, a bunch of customers would try to withdraw at once. And that's what happened. It was like a classic bank run scenario. Um, The difference is, is that um, unlike the financial services industry, um, crypto does not have like FDIC or SPIC uh, insurance at all. Um, they the, you, you're you not protected. Well, that's <laughs> good, right? That's why I have yeah, yeah, to makes get it away stable. from the tyranny right. <laughs> <it doesn't have laughs> of, hands of, in of it. the yeah. government. Right? Well, funny you say that, Greg, because so many people on Twitter suddenly are begging the U.S. <laughs> government to bail them out and, 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 and wanting their redemption in fiat currency. It was, it was, shocker.
1: To declare them solvent as if by fiat. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when the most predictable thing in the world happens, right? I mean, just incredible. I uh, yeah. Somebody yeah. made a joke that like, like. Well, I mean, obviously, somebody made a joke that all the guys in crypto are just speed running the like invention of money. You know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, like like uh, should we have, You know, we invent money, just just hand it out to people. Should there be regulation? I don't know. Like, and just finding out the hard way every yeah. step of the way. Like, like, damn,
2: maybe this shit's good actually. Like, maybe <laughs> like <laughs> having like a centralized regulatory like system on like. But- on on like basically just unbridled capitalism, which is what uh, crypto is, right? Because I think like a lot of, what the crypto industry has done is essentially like weaponize contradictions of capitalism that exist in our current system and pitch crypto as the antithesis to that, right? Like, so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, look at what happened in 2008. The government bailed out the big banks. It didn't bail us out. So really like the government is the enemy here and what we need to like become, like, you know, get free from the system is essentially to break free of this oppressive government force. That is that is like the reason for, you know, our problems. And if we just basically have, uh, you know, these financial markets that are not centrally regulated, and that are not, um, you know, centrally controlled by, you know, a group of individuals, and it's by the people, uh, then this will actually all be solved. Right. But that's like actually removing the one slim kind of like protection that people have, because, um, you know, what, what happened in 2008 was not just like the government, like the government colluded with capitalism, but it was, it was a problem in contradiction of capitalism on, you know, how it burned people. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, if, if let's say banks collapsed without, uh, you know, government backed, uh, insurance, uh, you know, people's deposits would just be gone. But there's a reason Mm -hmm. why the banking system works is because there is actually, you know, insurance up to $100,000 on your deposits, right? So even if it goes south, you'll still get your money, where now that's just not the case in crypto, right? So (laughs) um, it it is really interesting to me how the industry did this kind of like fake populism uh, to like radicalize people into this extreme (laughs) kind of right-wing ideology of the free market.
1: No, I mean, it, it literally just doesn't logically follow, you know, mm-hmm. like it goes kind of goes without saying, but like de- deregulation of the financial industry is what led to mm-hmm. 2008, you know, like, yeah, I think I, I like what? Yeah, I don't know. Like the whole pitch is very stupid. Like that, you know, uh, goes without saying at this point, it's all been said. Uh, it is funny to watch uh, these people freak out. But you also got just like even without forget the ideology, like. Forget all the bullshit. Forget not being able to put like 2 and 2 together. Like after the crashes of the last year in the in crypto, like how are you still having how do you still have like a shit ton of <laughs> like value in these markets? Like how do you not just get out? How do you not like at least like stop gambling with all of your potential gains? Like how if you've got like like whatever, just like sell 90% of it. Get out, get back into US dollars. How do you not see that like inflation like even when you factor in inflation, like the money that was lost like over the last year in these crypto crashes is like is crazy. Like the the even even now with massive inflation, like the dollar's obviously way more stable. Like mm-hmm. How do you not, even if you want to start keep playing, even if you want to keep speculating on it, like, how do you not get most of your fucking money and get a fucking nest egg out? You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that the, you know, for the lowest level participants, the people that are putting in, you know, their Pizza Hut check or whatever, you know, the answer was always just ideology, right? This was the power of neoliberal ideology. We see it all the time. You know, a hurricane hits a town and FEMA, you know, provides a little relief, but not enough. People get fucked over and they say, well, the problem is the government. The problem is FEMA. We should just get rid of it. Or, you know, just not have it. It's like, no, the problem <laughs> yeah. is the government didn't do enough for you. It's not that, like, it, that, that having any relief is bad. Or, you know, in 2008, the problem is- The, the government pressed the, the hurricane
2: like, button, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's like the, you know, look, they did from the weather, uh, station they have in alaska <laughs> the, they use the harp gun to hit the hurricane yeah. button but that's beside the point yeah <laughs> but the thing is that like you know the the bank thing is so funny because that was the crypto argument it's like the you know the government came and bailed out the banks, so the government's the problem it's like no, oh, the bank's collapsing because of speculative <laughs> bullshit you know through deregulation was the problem and the government provided relief granted yeah. Not relief to who we'd want them to provide it to, but like the government providing any amount of relief shows that they can do something and should have and should have done more and done it a different way. But but yeah, it's uh you know, I think at the lower level it's for that. But you know, as far as how does the money stay in there, uh this is from you would you'd sent this to us, uh Munya from the account Bitfinext. Uh, <laughs> that was a screenshot of some DMs he had with somebody. Who says that they have they're in a firm that they're part of a firm that trades with FTX based out of Hong Kong? and I just like this line right here. He says I'm pretty sure a lot of FTX clients are sanctions busters and Chinese money launderers. And I still wonder just the bulk of the money yeah. in these things is essentially, you know, money in black markets, right? Uh, whether you're money laundering or, yeah. Uh, running sanctions money or you're the cia transferring money from you know one drug operation to the next
2: you yeah. Know. yeah i mean like up until recently binance you- uh binance is under investigation for mon- money laundering itself like right now um and you know and like just like uh not complying with u.s regulations they're under a u.s probe and um one of the things that uh you know is in the accusations that is true is that up until very recently, uh, you could just sign up for a Binance account with an email address, so you didn't need mm-hmm. your like you didn't even need like a name, you didn't need your <laughs> home address, you didn't need your social security number. Which you know if you've ever signed up for like a bank or if you've ever signed up for like a brokerage account to trade stocks, uh, you know that you need they need quite a bit of info from you in order to actually yeah. get that account up and running. Um, so. It's a bit appalling uh, that up until very recently, uh, even in the U.S., you can just create an account with an email address and start trading crypto. Right. I mean, that seems like uh, a pretty uh, huge gift for money launderers and like people who are just trying to, you know, skirt around, you know, legitimate like financial institutions.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's like all these people signing up as John Doe at SinaloaCartel.com, cartelcom you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean it, it shouldn't it shouldn't yeah. be like as easy as creating a Twitter account, I think, to like, you
1: know, move like a billion dollars in in <laughs> in money, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the whole it is the whole point, right? That the whole point of crypto is to do crimes on the internet. And I guess what that means is like all this supposed wealth that is wiped out is first of all, not all of that is what the assets were purchased at when dollars were first changed into some crypto asset, right? Like, this is inflated value since, like, uh, the dollars went into it, a lot of it, okay? And then the rest of it, uh, uh, some huge portion of the dollars that went into it was already unusable money because it was fucking illegally gained, right? Probably, you know? Some some portion of it was like, well, you got a money launder it. It's expensive to launder money. And you know, you're going to lose a lot of it. And so this you lost, maybe you lost all of it this time, but you maybe you also were churning through uh, dollars, you know, for a year before this on that exchange. Right. And you got a lot of that money out, you know, I think like that's like that, you know, what I was trying to sort of get at last week is like whether it's these these tech billionaires or like whoever's laundering their fucking drug money or whatever else, or like avoiding sanctions or whatever, like when what you're holding on to is, you know, on some level is actually worthless. Like getting out any money at all is, is what you're after, you know? So maybe like, uh, ultimately this still served its purpose for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're running an illegal business, right? Like, uh, you know, Whatever, you know, this is this is part of the trade or whatever. This is part of the risk that you're taking. I mean, the interesting thing is, is like, this is sort of why I was always skeptical about these ideas of having some sort of stateless society, like the globalization fear of, like, we're going to move to this, like, one-world stateless corporate society is that states are required to control the money supply. Like, they have to, by force, sort of defend the... Uh, integrity of the money supply. And it was why crypto was always doomed in a sense, is that there is no military to defend, you know, <laughs> to, through threat and coercion to defend the sort of stability of the money supply. So it was always like doomed to have these ups and downs. But the other thing is, is that while, you know, again, on the low level, they were, t- you know, people full of neoliberal bullshit were being told, like, this is money that's going to break you free of the evil fiat currency of America. At the higher levels, too, a lot of them understood this isn't money. This is an asset that you purchase with all the free money you actually just got from, you know, the federal government or whatever, right, from the state, right, with all the free money that you've just gotten access to. This is just another place to plow that free money that has a rate of return that's higher than a savings account, right, which is what a lot of. I mean, a lot of our economic expansion is built around this, is places to plow money that give you a return better than, you know, 2%. And uh, tech, you know, is seeing this contraction because that, you know, money supply is dwindling. And, you know, crypto, I mean, it might just put fucking crypto under. I don't know. It depends, I guess, how much the CIA wants it
2: you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really true. And like, you know, with high interest rates now, I mean like you could buy a 10 year treasury note at 7% and lock in a 7%, you know, annual gain for 10 years. Right. Like that's, yeah. uh, that's a real thing. Someone actually had a funny tweet basically and it just had the word pick and it had, um, an aircraft carrier with like uh, 58, uh, different, like, uh, you know, um, you know, fighter jets or, and then it had, um, sbf on the other uh photo too basically being like yeah i mean you can either get seven percent and that seven percent is backed by an entire military to defend you from it or you can have this like polyamorous dude in the bahamas who like is (laughs) (laughs) is running a crypto uh trading like you know like you actually have a choice on like where to get your yield from now like it's not just like a zero percent or or this right like Well, as the
0: U.S. proved in 2003, it will launch a fucking war and kill a million people to protect the value of the dollar. (laughs)
1: Like, you know, I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, maybe the other piece of this, you know, related to what I was saying earlier about, like, maybe this, the tech layoffs are really, you know, part of the calculation and what the Fed has been doing by, you know, getting rid of the free money. is like, I've always said from the beginning, at some point, this crypto shit becomes an actual threat to the stability of uh, state money systems, right? Like that that's their stated sort of ideological purpose is to uh, exist outside of this. We know like they're doing all this money laundering and at some point, you know, that's maybe like that's it. That's good for capital. It's what capital wants. And so, you know, they've been letting it go all this time, but maybe at some point as this stuff grows, Somebody, people like who think about, uh, you know, the monetary policy, people at the Fed, maybe at some point they think like, OK, like this is just long term, like we we have to curtail this. Uh, and so maybe, you know, getting rid of the the free money, maybe it's not, I, I you know, I think it's very possible they thought like, oh, yeah, this is going to hurt crypto. And great. Good. Uh, let's let's knock this shit down to size because, oh. In the end, it's not like it just takes it just hurts the dollar uh, and the whole fucking system, you know?
0: Well, as far as the the function, the sort of illicit function that crypto serves, um, you know, New York, London and Frankfurt are all happy to do that. Like, you know, Chase Manhattan, Deutsche Bank, you know, like they're they're all happy to uh, launder drug money to, you know, hide the funds from your child pornography ring, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of that went to crypto just because it was easy to do. You could do it from your phone or whatever, right? And uh there was a, a higher rate of return.
1: You can do it from a smaller scale. Yeah, there's a higher rate of return yeah, on, yeah.
0: you know, the you know, thing because it like really isn't money. It's like a weird asset you're buying and all this kind of stuff. Um But yeah, I mean, you know, uh there is like a, a weird way that crypto collapsing Uh, redounds to the financial sector in these countries that are willing to launder money, the United States, Britain, Germany, et cetera. Right. Um, In that, in that kind of interesting way. I mean, that that'll just be something to kind of keep an eye out for in the future.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing is is that now with uh, the latest with FTX is that um, a day after they uh, filed for bankruptcy, a couple days after, um, they mysteriously got hacked, uh, and, uh, <laughs> <What? No. laughs> six, of, of their $1 billion in liquid assets, um, 600 million of those just disappeared. And, uh, no, no, one from FTX can really say why no one from FTX can really give an explanation on where they've gone. Um, but, uh, suddenly $600 million has gotten drained and a lot of the employees uh, fled from the Bahamas to Hong Kong. Um SPF is still in the Bahamas right now. But um yeah. they're uh Yeah, go and throw
0: Hong Kong on that list too, <laughs> a place as you could will launder your money for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, like it, it it's it is really uh fascinating to me that um, you know, I mean, crypto has always been rife with a lot of uh fraud and targets for, you know, draining wallace. It's interesting how this has never happened until two days after they filed for bankruptcy, right? Like it's it's I I, I am heavily yeah. implying right now that this was not a hack and this happened like with in the inside of FTX as a rug pull, right? But um, mm-hmm. you know, that's just putting two and two together. Nothing has been confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean the thing, you know. Oh, and um and uh the uh enron uh, uh chairman is now uh after bankruptcy they appointed the enron chairman uh, as the ftx chairman to john ray the third
0: <laughs> how did i fucking forget about that an enron guy has re-entered the picture he must be ancient <laughs> at this point
1: point.
0: and i mean nothing says stability and on the level like hiring a former enron exec um yeah
1: i mean well, it's someone who has no credibility to lose. Like winding yeah, this down, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, this is this is someone. This is someone who's has the exact resume you need to come in and uh, sort sort all this shit out, then close the books on the whole thing. As yeah, as the top people. Go uh, withdraw their money from their Hong Kong accounts that they <laughs> they got out of it. Oh, I, it's I, so fucking good. Yeah, this is the other
0: value of regulation: is that not everybody is. You know, I mean, granted, United States de facto it's the case, but you know. In theory, at least sort of outside the hands of the law or whatever, like, you know, you could technically arrest people for Ponzi schemes, right? And we haven't done that in, since 2009 or whatever, but
2: yeah, um, when a bunch of rich people got screwed over specifically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah in
0: theory, you could, right? But yeah. Well, everything sounds great in the crypto world. Uh, sounds like good things ahead for the American economy. Um, I, you know, yeah, going back to a point Greg made earlier, I, I think the stuff happening in tech has kind of spooked the Fed a little bit and that they're not going as hard as Volcker did where he just went straight to higher interest rates. The yeah. Fed has to understand on some level that this is a different situation and that they could uh, inadvertently just bring the whole fucking thing down um, and really create a mess.
2: I mean, uh, the stock market literally <laughs> rose the high, to like the largest one-day gain Um and it says after being down for like a while, um, like the Nasdaq was up about seven percent on a day, which is like, I mean, that's like crypto numbers, right? Um, yeah. All because inflation was at seven point four percent instead of seven point six percent, meaning yeah. that the Fed might raise rates at a at a lower rate because inflation is kind of like you know yeah. coming down. Um, you know, like the, the, yeah. the, the, of that small of a of a decrease uh created like basically one day euphoria on markets mm-hmm. like that's how that's how I think shaky oh. like things are
1: right now. Could mean it's I mean, you know, they're hoping it means the corners being turned.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, whereas in 79, Volker just went over to the dial and just turned it straight to 10 and then briefly looked behind him to see what was going on. And then was like, ah, 20. And then went yeah. straight, you know, <laughs> And, you know, he, you know, as we talked about the episode was keeping track of union negotiations and things like that was keeping a real like eagle eye on, you know, what impact this was having on labor, making sure it was negative. Uh, And I think the economy is a little different. I think Jerome Powell, you know, maybe just doesn't have it in him, but I think it's mainly the economy is different. And he is more hand still on the dial, constantly looking back, you know, adjusting a little to time, like going back and forth, right? Uh, hoping that it's not just a giant fire behind him. But I think the end goal is I, I think he's going to keep pushing until wages start to go down, right? Until employment yep. goes up and wages go down. And, you know, we we mentioned that that in '79 that was a risk, and in 2022 it's a risk, and we'll see uh, what happens. Well, it's a,
1: it's a it is a different scenario. Yeah. Like in '79, like labor, you know, there was a lot of people working in America who weren't being ground into yeah. dust, who weren't like what like, what we talked about, you know, in, in New York last week, like where. You know, you go into a coffee shop and there's more than one person working there, like <laughs> scurrying around. <laughs> like, that's not the most. The most of the country is like everything's already. It's this bizarre scenario where, like, yeah, the whole like um, ownership class, from the petty bourgeois shitheads to the billionaires, like, is looking at their service employees going like, "Oh, well, you know, why aren't you working harder? Why do we have to pay you, uh, you know, above seven fifty an hour?" But it's like, how much how much more do you squeeze these people without just like like there's no one left to get rid of? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if the answer is to like to discipline labor by laying people off in a situation where, you know, the service, uh, the service employers are actually want more people to work. Like, how does how does that work? And maybe that's why it's not it's hitting tech before it's hitting Mm -hmm. that sector. Yeah. Right. It's like, it, how does that work? Like uh, they, they want more people. They just want to, don't want to pay them. But like, if you're, if your scout, scal- if your tool to achieve that is, is uh layoffs in the sector, like, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, maybe they may, that may not be a power they have like in this situation, like they just can't do that. So it's going to take it out uh, higher up the chain. And then how, what that shakes out to, does that ultimately like cause a recession that you just put all these all these service employers out of business. (laughs) Like that's not what they want. That's not what those, what the, you know, restaurateurs want. Um, we were complaining about people not wanting to work anymore. I don't know, but like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have, you know, unclear what's going to happen here.
0: Well, we'll leave it at that to talk about the very exciting election results on Wednesday. Again, hopefully special guests coming in. Uh, so, Hey, join our Patreon, get the, uh, you know, pay the $5, which is the cost. $5 is 500% or more the cost of an FTX coin right now. So, uh, mm-hmm. a discount at any price. All right. Um, with that, oh, and the CIA has taken Munya offline. <laughs> M- Munya has been <laughs> neutralized to a permanent end. Uh, so, we better end the show here, Greg.
1: Yeah, right. bye bye